0: Verses 1 through 12. And we're going to look into this, dive into this psalm a little bit tonight here. So let's read responsively. I'll read the odd numbered verses. You read the even numbered verses with me through uh, verse number 12. Psalm 62, verses 1 through 12. Reading responsively. To the chief musician, to Jaduthan, a psalm of David. Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you. As a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast down. From his excellency, they delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but their curse inwardly. Selah, my soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock in my salvation. He is my defense I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation in my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, Belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Last week, in our twelfth message from the Psalms, we studied Psalm 51, a beautiful psalm. We looked at repentance toward God, and we read Psalm chapter 51, and also 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12 and the sin and repentance of David. And we talked about repentance, and we talked about how repentance toward God, truly repenting toward God. Uh, And by the way, repentance toward God has been perverted by many uh, through the years. Uh, If you come from the background that I come from, and I know several of you do, Brother Horgan as well, uh, we were taught something called penance, penance. And that is something we do to earn God's forgiveness. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing you can do can earn God's forgiveness. He grants it. Now, there is something called penitence. We, we talked about that, but it's not us doing anything. That's our spirit being broken about sin. And we talked about how uh, repentance involves confrontation, being confronted with the truth that we are sinners, that we have sinned against God. But then also, there's correction. Remember, the the prophet came to David Nathan, and he corrected him. He said, you've thought this, but this is how it really is. By the way, can I just say something? We need people in our lives who will correct us. I tell you something as a pastor. I've had to ask for forgiveness before for things that I've said. I've literally had been in my office and had people come into my office that I had said something that was wrong, that had offended them. And Miss Kim, I could have said, well, bless God, I'm the pastor. Hallelujah. No. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong and need to be corrected. You, listen to me, young people. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. Open rebuke is better than secret love. You know what that means? It means it's better to have somebody tell you they're wrong than pat you on the back and say it's going to be fine. Part of the reason for a degenerating society is that people will not tell other people they're wrong. Correction, confrontation. It goes without saying that there's conviction. There has to be Holy Spirit conviction that we've sinned against God. And then there's contrition. David said in Psalm 38, verse 18, I will be sorry for my sins. There's not enough sorrow over sin in this world. There's not, listen, there's not enough sorrow over sin in the church. Forgive me, I can speak for myself. There's not enough sorrow over sin in the pulpit. I need to be sorry for my own sin. I'm not, I'm not so much worried about your sin, I'm worried about my sin. There's contrition, there's conviction, correction, confrontation, and then when you have all that, you have confession. Confession. I'm not talking about going and talking to another man. I'm talking about bringing it to holy God. Amen. That's repentance toward God. Confession of sin and guilt and need of forgiveness and need of cleansing and lack or loss of joy and need of restoration. This year for, well, this past Christmas that went by in 2022, I'm always trying to get my wife something. I, I, I uh, Through the years I've Struck out more times than I've hit a home run, Brother Talbert. Amen. As far as getting something, a couple of years ago, I did really, really well. I I I I snuck around behind her back, which is you know it's an honorable thing to do for a man of God. Amen. I snuck around and I I uh, we had gone to her um, the camp that she got saved at uh, several years ago, and she had pointed out to me. I think the last time we were there, she said. Uh, this little pine patch that overlooked a cranberry bog that faced west and the sun would set. And she said, this is where I would study my Bible. And she said, when I was just an eight-year-old girl and I I learned to love God right there. And so uh, I have a dear friend of mine who's a painter and I took a picture of that spot And I took a a picture of her from her about the time she was eight years old. And I said, Miss Judy, I said to my friend, I said, can you put these together and paint these for me? Put this little girl reading her Bible there. And so I I hit a home run on that one. She opened that one up. But this year, uh, she said to me, I I said, what do you want for Christmas? And this is like going out to eat. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know where you want to go. I started with... A clean shave, and by the time we get done saying, "Where do you want to go?" I need a full beard. Amen. Uh, And you, you listen. You folks know if you do that. Amen. But this year, she was really quick and deliberate, and she said, "You know, there's something I've been wanting." And she said, she she sent me the exact list of things. Now that's me, ladies and gentlemen. And I forgive me. I turn on the music. Dun 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 dun. And I'm on. I'm on Mission Impossible. Right and it was this she said i would like a dickens 56 dickens village 56 collection does anybody else know what that is okay several of you okay those are the little knickknacks and pattywacks for christmas time amen they're the, they're the little homes from a christmas carol uh, you get the, the Cratchit home and, and uh, Mr. Scrooge and, and uh, all these things. And it's actually really nice. So what she meant was, you can get me one of these for the next 12 years. But when I got the list, I took it as a challenge to get them all for one Christmas. Amen. And so she just kept opening boxes and opening boxes. And we, I got everything she gave me a list of, we got. Amen. And it leads me to, uh, I guess I gave you that illustration, Uh, Charles Dickens, of course, writer of the most famous of his uh, books, is A Christmas Carol, Uh, we know that. But he was a 19th century author. He lived from 1812 to 1870. And many consider him to be the finest author of his generation. Many of us who lived in both the 20th and 21st centuries have read or been exposed to and or recognized many of his works. Uh, Oliver Twist was written by Dickens in 1838. A Christmas Carol written in 1843. David Copperfield, 1850. How about this one? You know this line, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was an epic of belief. It was an epic of incredulity. Say, what's that? That's a tale of two cities. Also written by Dickens, 1859. And then one of his final works was a book called Great Expectations, written in 1861. And A summary of it is it is a story of a boy named Philip or Pip and who despite destitution and multiplied difficulties is still full of hope that good things will happen. And thus the title of the book, Great Expectations. Look with me at verse number 5 of our text and we see this beautiful word that is in here. It says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my, what church? Expectation is from Him. This Hebrew word here for expectation, it's the word tikvah, is a beautiful word in its meaning. It means hope, expectation, ground of hope, things hoped for, outcome. In essence, it it means this, a pleasant ending or a hopeful conclusion. This word is used several times in the Old Testament, but probably the most familiar passage to those of us that know our Bibles a little bit, is found in the book of Jeremiah. I want you to go there with me. Hold your spot there in Psalms. We're coming back. But go to Jeremiah chapter 29. If you've ever read through the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah can be a very foreboding book. It's all about judgment. The sins of God's people. Not the sins of the world. The sins of God's people. And Jeremiah is sent to pronounce judgment. And there are, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, there are very few encouraging verses in the book of Jeremiah. But those that are there, I call them sunbeams in the clouds. And this is one of them. And it's found in Jeremiah 29, verse number 11. Look what it says there. Many of you, as soon as you start hearing this, you know that passage. Oh, I know that passage. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. See, say, now, yeah, that is an encouraging verse. Can I tell you this? It's even more of an encouraging verse in its context. You know why? Because Judah, the children of Judah, Had been carried into Babylonian captivity. But by the way, by the permission of God, God had sent the Babylonians to judge them. Remember, does anybody remember why? They didn't keep the Sabbath. They didn't keep the Sabbath. For uh, God said, uh, I want you to let the land rest every seventh year. And for 490 years, Israel didn't let the land rest. And God said, okay. I'll get my 70 years. Uh, The land will rest when you're not in it. And uh, Babylon comes down and they capture God's people and they take them into Babylon. And God says to them, you got to read Jeremiah chapter 29. It's a tremendous chapter. Uh, The the false prophets come and they say, hey, listen, a loving God would never keep you here for 70 years. You'll be out of here soon. God said, don't listen to him. I said 70 years. That's how long you're going to be here. Then he said this, Brother Lolly. I love this. He said, by the way, I want you to build houses. Why? Because you're going to be here 70 years. I want you to plant vineyards, and I want you to pray for the peace of the city. Why? Because you are going to be here for 70 years. You're going to acclimate to this. And then in the midst of that, as these people have been taken from their homeland uh, by a heathen nation, God says to them, hey, listen, I want want you to understand this. I know the thoughts that I think toward you. They're not thoughts of evil. Thoughts of peace. Now, That's that great Hebrew word, shalom. Peace. Shalom. Safe, happy, and well. That's what it means. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected, to give you a hopeful conclusion. Here in Psalm chapter 62, go back there with me. David says, he talks about this hopeful conclusion. He talks about this great, these great expectations that he has. And a simple message tonight, just real simple, ladies and gentlemen. Great expectations come from and are rooted only in God. Can I tell you this? Sometimes you can have expectations of a friend. Sometimes you can have expectations of your spouse. Some, Listen to me. Sometimes you can have expectations of your preacher. And sometimes people will let you down. I've heard it said, said, look at self and you'll be discouraged, look at others and you'll be disappointed, look at Jesus and you'll be delighted. That's why the Bible tells us looking unto Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. So we have these great expectations and there are three great expectations that we find in our text here. There's, first of all, and by the way, again, they're only rooted in God. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 62. Look at verse number 2. Look what it says here. It's interesting. It says, He only is my rock, my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Then if you jump down to verse 5, it says, My soul wait thou only, there's that word again, only, upon God for my expectations from him. Verse 6, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. I like that. Uh, In in verse 2, he says, I shall not be greatly moved. In verse 6, he says, I'm not going to be moved at all. Not at all. It's really interesting there. So first of all, what do we see here? Uh, We see great expectations, number one, verses 1 through 4, of deliverance, of deliverance. He says there, O God, thou art my God, early... Or I'm sorry, that's verse uh, chapter 63. Uh, chapter 62, he says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my what? Now, we read that verse especially, and we apply the New Testament meaning of salvation to Old Testament situations. Listen to me. Don't do that. Amen? When it's taught, David especially here, David is on the run here. We don't know whether it is from Saul who was trying to kill him or Absalom who had taken the kingdom from him. We're not quite sure, but we know he's on the run. We're going to talk about that when he talks about his enemies here. But he said, it is God who delivers me. It is God who saves me from the hand of my enemies. Now, again, you could could certainly apply New Testament salvation to that verse. Hey, who is it that we're expecting salvation from? God. God's the one that's going to save us one day. Hey, when when God blows the trumpet at the rapture, we're going to find out we were saved all along. Amen? I mean, I'm looking forward to that deliverance. By the way, uh, I still believe in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And I don't care if anybody else does or not. I have friends that don't. That's up to them. That's between them and God. And by the way, they're not bad people. They study the scriptures. They said, this takes me to a different spot. I just don't don't buy it. I believe God's going to take us out before the great tribulation because the great tribulation is not for us. But he says here, David had the great expectation of deliverance. You know, if you look at verses 1 and 2, We see the dependence of the saint here in this idea of deliverance. My soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. as As we walk in this wicked world, and the world keeps getting more wicked, it's absolutely astounding that wickedness. See, wickedness has always been around. It's the reason why God flooded the earth in the past. Wickedness is the But I'll tell you what, wickedness has been up till now. Has been very restrained. By the way, that's part, part of world to Jesus, it, it, everything would be alright. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. If you have not read the back of your Bible, I recommend it. Not everybody's going to be saved, but I'll tell you what God called But you know what else we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be light. And you know what light does? Light does And my, our pastor was away, Brother Mike and I was taking care of Thursday night visitation we had uh, Saturday and Thursday and uh, came out on a Thursday night awful night, cold rainy, just terrible night and I got there and a brand new convert came out for visitation His name is John just sent me a, a note so I'm praying for you and Carrie and John, this was years ago 15 years ago me and John on a Thursday night and John said this to me. John said, "Pastor." He said, "Pastor's always talking about visitation, going out on visitation. It's important. There's people out there that are lost." And I said, "Yes, sir." And he asked he asked me a question that is a very, very good question. He said, "Where's everybody else?" You know what I told him? Miss Lori, I said, Well, John, we're here. You're here tonight. Thank the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Thank the- I-, I would love it if all these pews were filled tonight, but you're here. and you're, you're, Listen, you're trying to shine your light everywhere you go. Amen. We see the dependence of the saint. And I, I said all that to say in this wicked world listen to me. You've got to place your great expectation in God alone. God alone. Trusting in Him alone. But then, there's not only the dependence of the saint in verses 3 and 4, there's the depravity of the sinner. Look at it. There in verses 3 and 4, how long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. Ladies and gentlemen, Lord willing, on the 7th of May, I'm going to preach a message called Lord, and I say, Lord willing, because God could change it. God could change my mind. But uh, we have—I uh, have the missions conference message next week, and then Brother Treadway preaches the week after, and then I preach. But Lord willing, I'm going to preach a message called "Let God Be True," because what is going on in our world today is those that are trying to cast down God from His excellency. That l- listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is an old Mr. Rogers line. You ready for a Mr. Rogers line today? If you were born a boy, you stay a boy. This is not deep philosophy. This is actually scientific biology. Not difficult. And yet people will say the opposite. They will loudly declare that 2 plus 2 equals 5. Listen to me. Their argument is not with you. Their argument is not with me. Their argument is against the one who created them. That's right. It's what Romans nine says. O man, who art thou that repliest? What what does they say? Why hast thou made me thus? Mm -hmm. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the attack is on truth. It's on truth, and I'm going to tell you something. Truth is narrow. It's amazing that these people that still claim 2 plus 2 equals 5, I want them to do my taxes. Huh? I will have much more money in my bank account than I had before. Hallelujah. What does it say there in verse 4? It says, They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth and curse inwardly. We, we are watching literally, ladies and gentlemen. The depravity of man has been since Adam sinned. But I'm telling you, there are, just when you think that you have seen the lowest of man's depravity, something else comes along and literally knocks the wind out of you. Way, why do you say that? Listen, Great expectations of God's deliverance. You just keep waiting on God. Is that easy? No! No, it's not. Remember the line, Dr. Malone used to say, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's not easy to wait on God. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is just wait on God. Just keep waiting on God. So there's great expectations of deliverance in verses 1 through 4. Uh, Number 2, verses 5 through 8, we see great expectations of defense. Again, the hopeful conclusion rests only in God. Verses 5 through 8, my soul, wait thou only upon God. For my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. And look at this next phrase. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. You know, I love... I love the midweek service. I, I, ever since I got tuned into the midweek service about 1995, I've done my best to make it a regular part of my schedule, just priority-wise. He said, well, you're the pastor. You kind of have to. Yeah, that's true, but I wasn't back then. I love praying with God's people told this story before. I like telling it. It makes me laugh. We used to, at Mountain View Baptist Church, Miss Kim, I don't know if you remember this or not, but the men would go up on the platform. We'd have a little circle of chairs and the ladies would be out in the pews and having little small groups of prayer. So all the men, you know, it's a smaller church at the time. There'd be maybe 15 men up there on the platform. And I come off work one day and I had my, my overalls on and my my Metallica t-shirt, and, you know, I was a brand new Christian, just brand new, and my hair was like this long, and I forgot one of those hair ties. See, my hair looks like it did then, but back then, it, you know, it was like this, and uh, and there's a little less up top now, and, and I forgot one of those hair ties, Miss Jess, so I just walked in, my hair looked like yours right there, I was like tucking behind the ears, so, well, then we get ready to pray. <laughs> Right? And there's a little, I think he was eight years old. His name was Mike Avalon. And Mike Avalon said, Dad. His dad said, shh. He said, Dad. What? That man has hair like a girl. (laughs) I'll never forget that. I love getting together with God's people and praying. You'll never get to know anybody more intimately than praying with them. I'm talking about sitting one-on-one with somebody, hearing the heart of somebody praying. I know some of you say, boy, I just don't like to pray out loud. I'd encourage you to break out of that a little bit. Pray in a small group of men, two, three men. You know, we have our men's prayer breakfast. One of the sweetest things we do. Men will just sit around and pray one. But I want to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. You know what you need to learn to do. You need to all by yourself learn to pour your heart out to God. He is your great expectation of deliverance, but He is also your great expectation of defense. He's your refuge. He, listen, when no one else cares, and by the way, that is very, very rare. The devil will convince you no one cares. Now, that's not true. But if it was, you can always pour your heart out to Him. And He's always willing to listen. Miss Judy, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Amen? Great expectations of deliverance. Great expectations of defense. Like what it says there in verse 8, trust in Him at all times. At all times, listen. The God that can be trusted in the good times can be trusted in the bad times. Think of my precious wife back there. My wife's a great Christian. She's not. A, she, she's married to a mediocre Christian. But she's a great Christian. And she has followed me across this country as I have felt the leading of the Lord. Got married. Think God wants us to go to Bible college. Okay. Went to Pontiac, Michigan, as Phil Tharp used to call it, the armpit of America. Atlantic City is one, and Pontiac is the other. Amen. Just. Okay, Lord wants us to go back to our home church, serve as youth pastor, work a job. She said, Okay. All right. The Lord wants us to go to Harvest Baptist Church, work a job, be an associate pastor. She said, All right. And our boys were born down there. Okay. I remember forget my wife up here answering questions. The one, Mary, Miss Mary's laughing right now. Some of you don't remember this, but some of you that were here remember, I think my wife only a- answered one question during the question and answer time. Someone asked and said, how do you feel about leaving beautiful New England? You know, it's so nice there at your home and you know your family is out east and all that. And my wife said, she said, well, when we left Pontiac, Michigan, I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll, I'll go to, if you want us to go to Bangladesh, I'll go to Bangladesh. If you, want us to go, uh, uh, if you want us to go out west to Arizona, we'll go there. We'll go anywhere you want us to go. And then she said this, but please don't send me back to Michigan. <laughs> Thought it was over right there, Brother Jim, amen. Everybody's checking no on their box right there. You say, why'd you say all that? Because I've watched her Trust the Lord in the good times. And I've watched her have her devotions. I watched her have devotions with a boy on each knee. Now, not recently. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be bad. She'd need knee replacement along with you, Miss Lori. Amen. But I've seen her have her devotions when her hair fell out too. Listen to me. Some of you are struggling right now. You're you're having a tough time trusting the Lord. That's. Let me tell you something. As long as we live in this old world, you're going to have a struggle. I wish it wasn't that way, and I wish you didn't. You you seem. It seems like you know if. Like your heart is, you know, somebody draws a, a heart and, and then it seems like it gets all torn up and just thrown down and you take that tape and put it back together again and, and then it seems like it gets crumped. I wish that didn't happen. The fact is, we live in a fallen world. Trust in the Lord at all times. He's our defense. He's our refuge. You can pour your heart out to Him. And then lastly tonight, not only do we have... Great expectations of deliverance. We have great expectations of defense. I love this. We have great expectations of dividends. What's a dividend? It's a reward. Right? You have a stock dividend, that's what it earns for you. You can cash that in, and, and maybe you bought this stock for. Uh, $0.15 and then it went up and it's earning a dividend of whatever. That's the reward you get for investing your money. It says here in verse 9, Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie to be laid in the balance. They are altogether lighter than vanity. And then he talks about these men. He says, Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. uh, he's talking about wicked men here. Talk about wicked men. He said, don't let their wickedness affect you. It's easy to let the wrong kind of people affect your spirit. And by the way, even your morals can be affected by wicked people. So he cautions us there. He says, trust not in verse 10, trust not in oppression, be, become not vain in robbery. I love this. He says, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. You got to read 1 Timothy chapter 6 about riches. You know, uh, again, I, I, I remember that uh, uh, show, The Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof, and uh, old Perchik comes, uh, this, this Bolshevik, you know, and he's going to change the world, and he says, Money's the world's curse remember what Tevius said? Tevius said, may the Lord smite me with it, and may I never recover. Some of us feel that way about money. God says, don't do that. Money's a tool. It's to be used for God and God's glory. And by the way, coming right up to Missions Conference, I'm so glad, Brother Boston, every cent I've ever given to missions is safe in the bank of heaven. It's, going to accru- it's, it's accruing dividends right now. Right. Uh, I, who was I talking to recently? I was talking to a pastor friend who, who has uh, some money in savings, and uh, he said he's lost 25% in his 401k in the last two years under a particular administration. That shall be named, nameless. You listen, everything I've ever given to heaven... Is still earning, paying dividends, and so he says, he says, if if riches increase, that's all right, but don't set your heart on it. If if you got rich, giving it away, then keep giving it away. I think of Colgate, who gave at one point in his life, Colgate gave ninety percent of his profits away, and he just kept making money hand over fist. Brother Merklinger, I think old Russell Anderson. Russell Anderson has given away more money, and God just keeps giving it back to him. It's an amazing look at verse eleven. God has spoken once, twice. Have I heard this? That power belongeth unto God. And then he says this, also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. God is not only powerful, but he's merciful. And then he says this, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. So here's the idea of the great expectations of dividends. We live in dark days. We live in days where all around us, black is white and up is down and right is wrong. Oppressors are rewarded, robbers get rich, but while this is reality today, listen to me, God will righteously judge and reward the wicked, and God will righteously reward His children. That's our great expectation. Our great expectation is if I have faith, I have trusted the Lord as my Savior, and I set out to make sure He is preeminent in my life, my great expectation is when I meet Him face to face that He will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'm not worried about being fruitful. I believe God deserves increase and I believe God demands increase according to Matthew chapter 25 in the parable of the talents. God expects us to use what He gives us for Him and for His glory and for His purposes. But if you'll just do that and set yourself to surrender and obey, to trust and obey, you will increase. God will bless My expectation, my great expectation, is in God alone. That God, listen, it's amazing to me, the fact that any of us are going to heaven is amazing. But in this room, the fact that I am going to heaven, to me, is the most amazing thing. But not only... And if, if that's all that God did for us, we should be rejoicing 24 hours a day. Yeah. But that's not all He does for us. He says, serve me and I'll reward you. Put me first. Love, love me first and then love your neighbor and one day I'll reward you. you look at, look at in, the, in the New Testament at the crowns. The crown of righteousness. The, 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 the soul winner's crown, amen? The crown of life. The shepherd's crown. I mean, there's just the crowns that are there. He says, you know what? I'm going to reward you for serving me. Listen, that's my great expectation. That ought to be your great expectation. That ought to be the purpose for which we live. Again, I, I think about this precious man I met yesterday out calling. It was our last stop. This, this fellow who was an atheist. And I thought to myself, I thought, you know you, you get to you get to going back and forth at the points and i'm i'm a you know again i'm i'm not professional or anything but i'm a pretty good debater i can i can get at your arguments and you know get in there and win the argument but you know what that's not always worth it sometimes if you roll around in the hog pen all you gets dirty right, right. wrestle that hog and I thought about that man. That, that poor man has no expectation. And it's even worse because we know. Yeah. And so I, I mentioned in men's prayer, I said, you know what Christians do with people like that? We pray for them. Yeah. You know what those folks do with people like us? They have contempt for us, right. for the way we live our lives. Well, that's all right. Listen, listen. I think about, think about the, the person who believes in no God. They have absolutely no expectation. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? Can I tell you something? You and I, we're looking forward to a hopeful conclusion. Anybody ever read and you read a book and you you get about halfway through the book and you get a little nervous about the storyline, how it's going to turn out? I know... Brother Boston, Dr. Carr, always loved those Louis L'Amour books. All those old Louis L'Amour books. You're just not quite sure how it's going to turn out, and so you flip to the end of the book real quick, and you look to make sure that the hero's safe and all that. And then you go back and you're reading again. Can I tell you something? If you go to Revelation 21 and 22, it's a very hopeful conclusion. Yeah. When God makes all things new. When there is no more tears or death or sorrow or crying. When New Jerusalem comes down adorned as a bride from God out of heaven. That beautiful city. And his servants will serve Him and they, we shall reign forever and ever, the Bible says. and so that's the great expectation right there great expectation of dividends is this. God has given us exceeding great and precious promises and He keeps every one of them. Amen. To God be the glory. Father, thank You Lord for this simple